What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world. Because modern obstacles require modern solutions. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc. or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use. Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Mm. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, we're offering to share our fresh deer liver with you. It's the Magnificent Three of Sifpa. Mmm, venison. Oh, yes. Gotta love that venison. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons, get those perks! Patrons, get those perks! I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else in the pop culture world we want to. And today's guru, who is finally here, it is Sean from Geek Point Woo! <laughs> Sean, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you guys. Passionately you, you've had late. a day. Tell yeah. us about your day. Uh, so, yeah, it started off, my wife went work went to work late. Uh, grandma had the kids last night and then she suddenly realized that in order to prepare for her trip to New Orleans tomorrow, she needed to shop and stuff. Uh-huh. The big apple. So she just decided randomly to, she was going to drop the kids off. Like <laughs> as I was getting ready to walk out the door and as I'm dealing with her and there was a small scare in Republic with a attempted child abduction. Yeah. I saw so that. we're That's talking about all school. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. And then as I'm doing that, three customers walk up, one of which uh, two I were expecting to, you know, just drop off. Um, and one, the third is uh, is a new customer I talked to a few days ago, and she's got a ransomware issue. She wants to go through the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, you guys are not, cannot be doing this right this second. Now, when you say ransomware, that's yeah. different than malware. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So malware takes over your computer, does some mm. icky things. Malware doesn't take over your computer. Malware is a is a blanket term to refer to any type of spyware or you right. know, m- m- mini, you know, uh, software that alters your system in some way to serve ads, pop-ups, any of that. Anything that's not intentionally supposed to be there. So ransomware, is it the stuff that like you can't get access yes. to your computer back? Correct. Unless, Unless you ransomware give them pops up like, a notification and says, "Look, pay us money or you lose all your data." Oh, it encrypts your whole computer. Worse. And it's and unfortunately, there's there's very few fixes. There's very few things you can do about it once it happens. I mean, we've seen police departments, federal agencies have to pay up in order to get access to their data back. And um, and there are ways to protect against it if you are proactive beforehand. But once it's happened, mm, don't go to sketchy websites. Yeah, yeah, stay off sketchy websites, you know, so. Um, I I love that in the chat they said ransomware uh, is the taken of malware. It has a specific set of skills. Yes, (laughs) very very much so. Yes. Very nice. Um, Well, thank you for making your way over here. We're excited to uh, chat some movies, uh, specifically Magnificent Seven. We're going to chat about Blair Witch a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, we'll do uh, some buried treasure at the end. We'll have a best ever challenge. But we like to start off with some do we care Andrew, lay on us some pop culture articles, and we'll let you know if we care to talk more about them. 
As always, three Do We Care topics of the week. Number one, Benicio Del Toro is in talks to be the lead in the Predator reboot. Because yes. Fox right now is saying, well, I guess I should, before I go into more details, Do We Care, Sean says yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> that is why I would care, because it's Del Toro and he's great. I'm actually I not can't... a Predator fan. So... You, I am a huge Predator fan. Oh, man. Actually, it's not Predator, but I just bought the Alien Anthology on Blu-ray mm-hmm. pack. 15 bucks. Thank you, what? Amazon Prime. For all the Alien movies? For all uh, first four. So Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and then Alien Requiem. Wow. It's on Prime. Go get it. I already have it, but I paid like eighty nine dollars. <laughs> so, so uh, yes, just uh, gotta wait, man. Just gotta wait it out. Fox Asian. has they've publicly stated they're not happy with the way that they took the Alien quote slash Predator series with AVP and then AVP yeah. two, and they say we want to get back to what these films really were. Ridley Scott's already doing that with Alien Covenant right now, mm-hmm. coming out next year. And there's possibly going to have... When you had Prometheus as well, which is from the Alien universe, right? Yeah, it's the Mm. prequel to, quote unquote. (laughs) Yeah, that movie was not good. But we're also going to have... no movie wasn't that bad. Oh, did not like uh, Prometheus. But uh, (laughs) Neil Blomkamp, who made District 9, he's also going to be making his own Alien movie. But for Predator, Fox said that they're not happy with the way... So they're rebooting everything, starting... From the beginning, going back to Columbia, like they did with the Schwarzenegger "Get to yep. the Chopper" <laughs> movie, and uh, yeah, I am totally okay with them owning up to their mistakes and saying we're going to get this right. We live in that world, right? I mean, how many times has Spider-Man, you know, been mm, rebooted in yeah. the last couple decades? You know, <laughs> more than enough. <laughs> I has anyone else noticed? And I know this is not a 2016 thing, but you brought Spider-Man up. It, 2016 has been the year of. We have completely lost all creative function, and we're going to remake stuff that made money before and make I more money off I think it's been going it. on for a lot longer than just 2016. Well, I've seen but it's at so a new level. many in one year, Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a different level. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. I think, I, the, here's the thing to remember. There is original IP that's coming out, and what's unfortunate is a lot of times, it, we talked about Kubo and the Two Strings here, you know, uh, just a few weeks ago. Original content, and I loved it, but I it see. barely made anything. You know, so far at the box office. And so Hollywood looks at that and they're like, well, of course, we're going to give you a new, you know, Star Wars or Indiana Jones or, you know, whatever's going to predator or whatever's going to make money. Yeah. Because uh, the stuff when we come up with our own ideas, all it's good is for Oscar bait. Number two. Yep. The teaser for Ghost in the Shell starring Scarlett Johansson has been released. Ha- but as you guys know, Aaron, because he does not watch trailers, doesn't That's care true. about that. But what I do care about, since Ghost in the Shell is an incredibly popular Japanese anime, how do we feel about Hollywood quote-unquote whitewashing? And whitewashing actually has a different terminology now than just getting white actors to play uh, well, so what do you mean? Roles. If you don't mean white actors playing, you know, roles that could have been ethnic roles, what do you mean by whitewashing then? For so, yes, that is like the main problem. But Let me start by saying yes, I care about this very much. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yep, another way of this is getting actors who are not white to play quote unquote white roles. The big controversy right now, which I don't personally care about, is Idris Elba oh, is yes. cast to play Roland Deschain. And the Dark, Dark Tower, Tower series, series, which Aaron, you know, is my favorite mm-hmm. media of all time. Is 
my fate the book series more than any TV show, any movie, any song, any and game. I'm giddy like a schoolgirl about it. I am very nervous about this movie, and why this is a big deal is because in the book series, and it's not a spoiler, but one of the characters that Roland Shane, the character that Idris Elba is playing, he confronts this woman, and it's a huge um, part of the series. Is he confronts a woman who was a survivor of the civil rights movement? She mm. is a black woman. So, how does it make sense to have a woman who is supposed to be mad at this man who because he's white? Yeah. So that's a thing. But we're, I'm not going to get into it because that gets into spoilers. So, but the main thing is Hollywood whitewashing, as in you have. Gods of Egypt, where you have all white actors playing Egyptian roles, mm-hmm. or you have Scarlett Johansson playing an obviously Japanese role. I, so, listen, I want to hear you guys' thoughts. I'm uh, curious. There was a time, not too long ago probably, where I was much more racially insensitive than I realized. Like, I was very much uh, a person of, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I don't care if you're white, black, whatever. Right. Like, colorblind. The idea of being colorblind. What I've come to realize, especially with a lot of what's in the news and again in the news these last couple of weeks with some more, you know, police shootings, those kind of things, mm-hmm. is it's important to be aware of race. And that there is value in understanding that my race has given me privilege in my life that I am not aware of. And to understand the value of uh, you know, thinking more about uh, allowing actors of color to be in yeah. certain roles and to understand that it's, you know, uh, a good thing for, in this case, Idris Elba to be able to play a role that maybe he couldn't have played or to find those roles. So when Scarlett Johansson is playing a role that could have gone to an Asian actress, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's something that needs to be paid attention to. Yeah. And this isn't casting, but uh, I was talking to Aaron about this yesterday on the way to the theater. Rami Malek at the Emmys this past week was awesome. He won, but did you know that was the first time in 18 years that a non-white actor won for best lead actor in a drama series? I did not know that until you told me that. Now, 18 years. Yeah. And and uh, did you guys see his speech? Well, it was a really good. Did you see the speech? Yeah. (laughs) Given by, are you guys seeing this too? (laughs) Yeah. Um. And it was absolutely something that needed to be said and it was put so eloquently um when it comes to the whitewashing uh back to the original story um i'm concerned uh about scarlett johansson playing the role mainly because the source material is 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 important to me you know Mm -hmm. i I should say i've never seen i've never seen ghost in the show it's incredible and it's uh it's it's right up there with akira as far as quintessential defining uh, anime um is it a series or a film it's a series okay and because i've only seen cowboy bebop and full metal alchemist it, it, it is a fi- it, it's a film kind of like akira but it also has a comic series to go with does it make sense sure sure much like akira has a ongoing graphic novel series i'm so, so out of my depth in this conversation um, <laughs> seeing like, scarlett johansson oh yeah, cowboy it. bebop right <laughs> right guys that bebop cowboy was something else Cowboy I'm Bebop curious. is the Firefly of anime. I'll okay, say that. Okay, good to know, good to know. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the same sort of uh, potentially optimistic skepticism that you are with Idris Elba playing uh, in Dark Tower. And I should preface, I'm okay with Idris Elba playing Roland Deschain. A lot of people are not, though. I love it. I think he brings an amazing gravitas and, you know what I mean, a yeah. presence to the screen. But and there's very so much other stuff that they've said about that movie that I'm very nervous about. But yeah. that's one of the things but, I don't care about. But I liked your point about how the story itself requires some ethnic awareness. Yes. And so that there's, you have to change some things. And I think, 
you just have to be okay with some things being changed. You know, the whole thing with Donald Glover wanting to be, you know, Spider-Man and a black Spider-Man. And, Which and, there actually is a comic series that was actually written and he was the face mm-hmm. of that Spider-Man. Donald Glover was that face. So that's why people were wanting him to be Spider-Man. So, yeah, I... I I care deeply about this stuff because I think as a culture, we just have to continue to be race aware in positive and healthy ways. And Since we're on that topic. And, it does, and let me let me just state that doesn't mean one race is more valuable than right. another. We're yeah. all, you know, human beings with oh, the I same worth and value. We, people but, thought we were saying. No, 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 no. But but to say that you should be aware of race and take it into consideration doesn't give more value to that person. It gives more value to that choice. Yes. If that makes yes. sense as a Absolutely. difference. So yeah. that's a really powerful statement. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, before we move on, yeah, just to close out the race thing, yeah, yeah, to bring a real positive note to it, if you guys haven't seen the TV series Fresh Off the Boat, it is exceptional. I have not. It's really talk funny. about a show that's that's got a lot of Asian writers, cast by Asians, written, uh, uh, starred in by mm-hmm. Asians, and it it literally panders to all the stereotypes, but it does this great job of encompassing an era and a people's. A, you know, adapting to it. It's about an Asian family that comes to America and they're dealing with that. Everyone's individual way of dealing with fitting into society, you know, in a new area. And it just, it does such a great job of doing that, you know, portraying those racial issues in a positive light while also pointing out some of the negative stuff. It's It's, really good. It's kind of like, it's kind of like blackish and how blackish, uh, they realize that there's stereotypes and that's like the forefront. Like, no, we're debunking everyone down. In the process, I think Blackish is hilarious. Well, I, I'll tell you what what it brought to my mind as far as, um, especially uh, you know, African American ethnicity, uh, ethnicity is uh, Atlanta. Donald Glover's new show. <sighs> have you, have you been watching yes. Atlanta? Oh my god! There's so much I'm learning about that culture, and at the same time, it's funny and it's dramatic and it's interesting. And uh, you know, it it hasn't sacrificed its eth- ethnicity to be something it's not. Yeah. And, very, very smart show. So Number three, do we care? Forbes has released the world's highest paid TV actors of 2016 list. I'm Ooh, definitely I'm curious. curious. Yeah, I'm curious. for sure. Do you have, Should have we a, guess? Do you have a guess at number one? Uh, Kevin James. Kevin James? Uh, too hard to call. Did you say comedy or just TV in general? TV in general. Oh, TV in okay, general, okay. yeah. Um, um, it's got to be somebody on like a, like a show that's been around a while. Lawrence Fishburne? That's I, interesting. I, as that's soon as I source. saw this, I'm like, yeah, I knew this one before even reading this list. Yeah. So it's painfully obvious. So. Oh, man. I don't watch enough TV then. Oh, hit me. Yeah, hit us. Jim Parsons. Big Bang Theory. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, that fair makes enough. $25.5 million. I Actually, knew it had to be somebody on a show that's been around forever and they keep getting the raises because they need to have them back. The so, Simpsons guys are, are really well paid now, too. I'd be curious to know where they are on that list. So here, they, they have the top six listed here. Okay. So top five are the Big Bang Theory people. So you have Johnny Galecki, <laughs> that does not surprise uh, me. Simon Helberg, and Canel Nayar. But number six, and I was talking about you with this in the pre-show, number six is David Duchovny for The X-Files. Oh, oh nice. Yes. So he came in at $10 million. Good job, Dave. So you go Way from to get him back, yeah. Jim Parsons at $25.5 million to David Duchovny at $10 million. What were the friends... Uh, I was just going to say actors it's, making it therapy. They were not making Big Bang Theory money. I know that. <laughs> it's but they uh, were making millions. They were. Oh my! It's goodness, the Seinfeld yeah. effect. It is. It, it as the popularity of the show goes on, uh, goes up, and the longevity of the show as it increases in its length of time. Like Aaron said, you've got to keep paying them more in order to keep things going. So I mean, like Kelsey Grammer, ca- the cast of Frasier, 
was making top dollar during their period. Friends was making top dollar during during their you know their peak. Johnny Galecki, a million and, and an crew. episode. Friends were making a million. Yeah, they an were episode. making a million of episodes. So, so that, so that would be tw- that would be almost twenty million. Yeah, right. Well, I think money. yeah, but um, here's the thing with Seinfeld. Only Julie Louise Dreyfus and Jerry Seinfeld were making the Buku bucks. Michael Richards and Jason Alexander, yes, they were making millions, but comparative to Julie and Jerry, they I were gotcha. not making okay. that much at all. But the friends, the friends kids stuck together. Oh, yeah. So that they, they would all make the same amount. They had a, uh, they had a, uh, what would you call it? A, 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 a RICO contract yeah. where they had, like, if they're not making as much as me, then we're, they were on like that whole, which I loved that. I, I mean, because uh, you know, like I think Courtney Cox and Matthew Perry at the time could have gotten more than the others. I think that was the kind of the gist of things, but they decided all to stay together. I figured that Jennifer Aniston and uh, uh, LeBlanc would have been making the most. Ah, uh, I think it was uh, Matthew Perry. I think was like the um, you know in the power in the Friends power rankings of the time. I think he was the one mostly considered to be you know at the heart of the success of that show. So that's it for Do We Care? Nice. Right. We cared about everything. <laughs> we care. We care deeply. We're just caring people. All right, let's talk about some movies. We'll yes. start with Blair Witch. <laughs> that's my spooky Now, Sean, you sound. didn't get a chance to see Blair Witch. I did not, but so, I do have two questions for you guys. Oh, okay. We'll start with, we'll start with Sean's questions. So, two primary things I need to know. Better than the original, yay or nay? Okay. In your opinion, and okay. number two, was it scary? All Actually right. scary. I will let you start, Andrew. I liked it more than the original. Okay. And I'll let you answer that as well, and then I'll go into the next. Absolutely one. not better than the original. Really? And okay. I think most of that for me comes down to the cultural impact of the original and yeah. the okay. big deal. That's that what it I was, was. wondering. I'm, I'm, cha- if it could I'm, change, be I'm changing my answer. I'm changing my answer. <laughs> I have okay. convinced him. No, because I totally forgot about that. I was just looking at it from a critical standpoint. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the guerrilla sure. warfare way in which the first movie was marketed. Yeah, like, you know they it's, sent out yeah, the tapes way, way in the mail well, plus, randomly think, to people. I think that first movie does found footage in one of the most genuine ways. The original we've well, seen it founded because, the entire because genre. they, found, they found wanted footage. it to be believed. Like at that point. It was possible that people would believe it actually was found footage. Well, it's no, not anymore. Do you know how they achieved that, though? Okay, it was yeah. literally found footage because they sent out those blank tapes. They actually sent VHS tapes out to random people all over the country. Mm-hmm. Just just nobody's random people with the footage on it yeah. to trip people up. So people were actually, like, posting. <laughs> no, out, it's you know, people, real. Oh, my God. No, no. I know somebody who knew somebody who actually got right. a copy of that tape. Yeah. And they're like, and everybody, you always question that. You're like how is this legit? But then you start reading these news reports and things and you're like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And they built that up so good. And everyone was freaked out when they went to the theater to see it. So what I mean by that is the actual movie itself is also very well done to allow you to believe that. In other words, there's not stuff that you look at in that movie and go, Oh, that can't be found footage because of X. And we'll talk about this more in Blair uh-huh. in, in this movie yeah. because found footage movies now don't have, you don't have to believe it. So they don't care as much about that stuff. Right. Yeah. The way they filmed this, you know, having the kids go out there and then just giving them situations and having them improvise with actual cameras shooting themselves means that it could have actually happened that That's way cool. instead of bringing a production team out there and, you know, capturing with actual cameras and, and those kind of things. So your second question is, is this movie ter- scary? Yeah. Now, biased on me because I don't like horror films and I get scared easily. <laughs> They're all scary. They're all scary. This movie Andrew. was terrifying Boom. for me. <laughs> no, honestly, 
Uh, this is okay, but I will say the movie is ninety nine point nine 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 repeating jump scares. Yeah, that's what uh, I was okay. gonna say. It depends on what kind of scary gotcha. you mean. Jump and scare, scary? Yes. So every other I will moment. say this, and this is probably not going to be true for Aaron. It got to the point with me where I wanted to leave the theater because I was getting really scared. Okay. Wow. So I, I, dude, I was right there. I know you could have held my hand. I was I just was, gonna <laughs> say you should have held his hand. I was like Aaron. I was. Aaron's I was a like, good guy like. To the point where it's like I was looking at my phone because Aaron and I were the only ones in the theater. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was looking at my phone because I didn't want to watch what was happening on screen. It was terrifying for me. Speaking of only one in the theater, uh, before I forget, last night because of schedule and everything else, mm-hmm. I ended up seeing uh, Magnificent Seven at ten o'clock showing. Nice. And there was three other people in the theater all sitting together in the row behind me, and they were all over fifty. Okay. So. And you could just tell from going in there, these are people who are fans of the original, you know, they were around when it came out. And uh, it was the first time in a long time I've actually had to turn around and ask someone to shut up (laughs) because they were talking into the the beginning of the movie and about, you know, oh, I was wondering if he, and I'm like, oh, and this is different than the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We, my favorite, (laughs) my favorite talking experience, which I, I usually get very frustrated and annoyed. But we were watching, oh, what was the movie with Robert Pattinson, Elephants and... Water for Elephants. Water for Elephants? Yeah. Is that what it was? So we went to Water for Elephants for, you know, I was reviewing it or whatever. And there was this this older woman sitting in front of me who the entire time was narrating her thoughts oh on God. what should or shouldn't happen with this couple. Oh, they should not be getting together now. Oh, can you believe he did that? And- Thank you, relationship counselor. <laughs> yeah. It so, was it was the it was the only time I've actually been entertained. Blair, which were you scared? Um no, no. I don't I don't I don't it's been a long time since I've been scared by a horror movie. I get scared every single time I see any horror film. I am in the school of thought that in order for a movie in the theater to truly scare, it has to transcend beyond jump scares. And it's got to yeah. be a combination of um, true suspense, okay, exactly suspense and thrill, and an element of psychological. For me, it's it's got to mess with my head in order for it to scare yep. me. Jump yeah. scares are not enough for it to make it scary. They're well, then fun this little movies. Not be, this movie's not going to be scary. They're fun little moments. All but, jump scares. Okay. Yeah. I was worried about that, and when we talked uh, last time I was on, we had talked a little bit about the trailers. And after I saw the trailer, I, I actually told you, I said, no, it's going to be trash. The trailer made it look like a really terrible attempt to just relive all the glory of the original. So, Aaron, do you want to talk about Dolby Digital? Uh, yeah. So this is my thing with, with found footage. Here's, here's the way I would say it in, a, in like one sentence. Mm. The sound design on this movie was spectacular, and it shouldn't have been. Gotcha. Uh, it was gorgeous, and effects were happening around you, and, and it's like, yeah, but this is found footage, right? So are Should you be telling two me? Channel. Yeah, yeah, are you telling me their little camcorder does Dolby five point one? Like you yeah. know, it's <laughs> like it, it's just that kind of stuff that that's great. You know, when takes you out. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about with the original. It's actual stuff that they shot on those actual cameras, and so you can you know find yourself believing it. This and movie would have been more. so much scarier if they didn't have that sound. Yeah, if it was, if it was actually you know quiet, this movie would have been. Even more terrifying. Well, and that was the other thing you were talking about was how loud it was. It was really loud, like to the point, like it's not like jump scare loud. It's like it's too loud for the theater. Yeah, you know, like and a lot of it is that that you know switching to the new camera loudness. Like every time there's a new switch to a new set of film, it's (laughs) like the big pop. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. So all that kind of stuff was in there. Um, and and for me, it's not like if anybody has permission to do found footage, even though it's overdone, 
It's Blair Witch. Like you originate it, you've got permission. But at but least there do wasn't something... a single person from the original one that was tied to this. Well, in so. a, but at least do something new with it. Do something creative. Do something interesting. I you like how it... they modernized technology. With yeah, but they didn't do anything and... with it. What was that drone for? It had no story purpose in the entire movie. Oh, no, that's, I hate that's, that. That's very true. It's but... so it's it's so they can tap into the pop culture zeitgeist yeah they were like oh look we're trendy and hip and we're of the era and we're you know we have a drone in our movie it's now there's stuff like that there's a lot more people in this there's more than three people in this movie the for me the uh, performances were very sporadic some of them were super good and then some of them were really bad uh, i loved uh callie hernandez. Yeah, callie hernandez she she was incredible yeah. Like an incredible performance. The only time I would have said maybe I was a little scared in the movie was a scene involving her in an enclosed space. And you, her did face, you get a little claustrophobic? I bought, yeah, I bought everything on her face in that in that moment. And when you can buy into the character, I think you buy into the fear a little bit more. Um, so she was really good. The performances were really good. If you're a horror movie lover and you love the Blair Witch, there's a few things here that are you can learn about the Blair Witch mythology, those kind of things. There's some interesting things it does with the passage of time that the first oh, one that didn't was really super good. Did, didn't deal with. So there are some cre- a little yeah. creative tweak here and there. My main problem is they broke the Blair Witch rule, which is what? Oh, uh, it's spoilerish, but uh, okay. Well, we won't go into yeah. it then. But what I was gonna say, my my main thing is I just feel like this was all. I shouldn't say all. Mostly just let's creep you out and not let's actually tell you a story. You know, gotcha. let's not, yep. you know, not it was it was all creep and no thinking. You know, it was all set up and no payoff, you know, yeah. China stuff. So that's, you know, for me, that's just not enough story there to really care about it. Yeah. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. If you have any more questions, we can certainly talk Those about it. Those are the two that concerned me. Yep. Well, I'm not the best so, judge of character when it comes to horror films. So. so having heard what we said, how does that make you feel about possibly seeing it? Um, neither one of you said that, uh, you regretted going and sitting for two hours watching it. I, so, I regret, I, I regret yeah. going for two hours and sitting oh, watching. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I have to because I, you know, I right. review stuff, but. And, uh, but- I got scurred, so I regret <laughs> it, so. <laughs> All right, on to movie number two. We're going to talk uh, The Magnificent Seven. Man, it's been a while since I've seen a Western on the big screen. This is a remake of the 1960 Magnificent Seven. I shouldn't say remake. It's actually very loosely mm, based on the based original. On, yeah. uh, and that itself was a remake of the 1930s film Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. I didn't yeah. think it was in the 30s. I thought it was after that. But yeah, but Seven Samurai was... I'll look it up. Was uh was kind of the inspiration. Akira Kurosawa directed that one. I want to go into this saying that while we all know these facts, like you know, it, the media has droned on oh, about wow. them for years. Oh wow, Seven Samurai, nineteen fifty four. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And of. then nineteen sixty four, Magnificent. I think it was Seven. right before Magnificent Seven came out. Seven Samurai is a quintessential, iconic piece of film history. It's it long. is beyond exceptional. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> But it is beyond exceptional. It, it's like Kurosawa at his finest, and it's really hard to associate anything else, even if it's a spaghetti western, yeah. which we all love, you mm-hmm. know, um, with that. But having said that, um, I think it's cool that someone, you know, decided to adapt that, and what a movie to pick to redo. Yeah. It's, That's setting the bar high. I have to say, you know what I saw shades of in this, and in, in, uh, I even mentioned this in my YouTube review, Ocean's Eleven. Like the idea of just a group of people having to accomplish a task. I love the way uh, in Ocean's Eleven and in this as well that they give you 
a lot of the plan of what they're going to do, but not mm-hmm. all of it. So then mm-hmm. as the plan is unfolding, you get to be surprised by some of it. You know, I, I felt that, you know, in these kind of big ensemble casts where there's a big plan going on, just kind of reminded me of that, plus the the sense of humor in it as well. Yeah. Let's talk about... Uh, general thoughts. Yeah, just general thoughts. Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Um, was it just okay? What do you think? Aaron, why don't you go first? You never go first. Sure, I liked it. You liked it? Yes, solid in the liked it camp. Um, okay. Not close to loved it, not close to it was okay, just solid in the liked it. What about you, Sean? Um, I really liked it, just on the verge of loved it. Okay. Um, for for specific reasons. Okay, Andrew? As the biggest Western fan in the room, <laughs> I am very biased to love Westerns, but even for me, between okay and I liked it. Okay, all right, so it sounds like Andrew, uh, it sounds like because Sean I, likes I, it the most, I than me and then Andrew. I Westerns to death. No. I want them to be perfect. No, I totally get that. So, so let's start with positives. And Sean, since you liked it the most, why don't you talk specifically about what you liked? And by the way, we won't spoil anything until the spoiler cast. And if you want the yes, spoiler yes, cast, yes, yes. you need to either uh, support and get the Patreon podcast feed, or you can go to the Sifpop podcast feed as well. Before I'm, I'm sorry, should we say if we've seen Magnificent Seven, nineteen sixty, and Seven Samurai real quick? That's fine. I haven't actually seen either of them. Seen so. both. I've seen both. You? I own both. Okay, yeah, I own both too. But I've seen. Well, both. that's not answering the question. Oh Sean. yeah, I'm just no. <laughs> I'm saying I've seen them so many times that yeah, I have to own them. Yeah, I'm the I'm same. So I'm in the this, same boat. I'm so glad to have this conversation with you guys then, because I, I actually. Uh, I've been told many times I have to see Seven Samurai. You want to borrow never, the DVD? I got it. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I I need to get that off my list of shame. But three and a half hours long in that movie. <laughs> That's fine. We're used the to D- watching TV. We're used to binging TV. We're used to what? We're used to binging TV that takes ten hours. It's, yeah. it's three and a half hours. This is very true. I'm sorry, Sean. I didn't mean to no, interrupt no, you there. I just never. wanted to get that in there real quick. That's Go what ahead. This is all about um, positives. Positives. Uh, no one makes good westerns. The age, the age of doing, like, I think we've moved, and this, bear with me, we moved away from making really good Westerns, like, a while ago. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to find somebody who puts forth a, a, you know, because we live in the age of millennials where all they want to see is space and robots and and sparkly freaking vampires. I have a feeling and, we're going to be having the same conversation with La La Land and musicals, you know, because musicals and Westerns were such a staple of cinema yeah. back Silver in the day. Age. And, yeah. and then I think they probably came to a point where it was oversaturated. Exactly. And so it backed up. I, comic books are going to do the same thing. Comic book movies are getting to that oversaturation point. They're going to back off eventually and, you know, yeah. the same way that, that all kind of genres do. So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, I just... It's so that's one of the reasons why going into it, I truly enjoyed it when I started seeing things come together because it's so great to see someone do a Western that's got that's got everything. It's not just a shoot 'em up. It's got comedy, you know, that has some heart to it um, and tries to also do some throwbacks to some original source material. I think they did a really good job. It's not Tombstone, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I, I really enjoyed it. I think they did a great job. I, the filming, the cinematography was fantastic. I loved the shots. Um, I saw several throwbacks to, uh, um, to you know, spaghetti westerns that I loved uh, in there. Um, and the sound was really well done. I really loved the sound uh, in it. And the cast, I just, there, it was a well put together, you know, amalgamation of things that just made something I enjoyed. We're going to disagree on the cast, but... Uh... That'll be okay. later on. Uh, I, I will say I 100% Select. agree with everything you just said, and it is my favorite thing about this movie, is that 
it, this movie uh, director Antoine Fuqua, I think is Fuqua. how he's... Fuqua. Mm-hmm. Antoine Fuqua. Uh, he absolutely got westerns for me. He and, understood the core elements of what yeah, a western the, should the, be. The soundtrack, the music, the images, the framing. Like, it just it felt like it could have been made in the 60s. You know, like it felt like an old, you know, 50s or 60s western. Uh, I want to talk about the music real quick. Did you notice the amount of Japanese music in this movie? No. Really? No, I did not. Oh, go, if you ever watch this movie again, go rewatch it and listen to the music. You will be blown away by how much... What do you Japan- mean? Just Japanese instruments? Japanese or- instruments. Okay. Like, every single time there was a standoff, it was Japanese instruments because there was an homage to Seven Samurai. And I picked up on that immediately. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, uh, do you want to talk about something you liked, Andrew? So, um, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio stole the movie for me. Okay, him, I want to talk and, about this. Him and Denzel Washington were amazing. All right, let's talk about the acting. That's kind of what uh, I was talking about in in this. Uh, I let's start with Vincent because I sp- specifically pulled him out in my YouTube review for one of my points because I think. That performance will be one of those you either love it or hate it yes. kind of performances. I loved it, and it sounds like you loved it too. I did, but I can see somebody watching that performance and rolling their eyes and going, "What is he trying to do?" When he came on screen, when they first met Jack, you know, I was <laughs> that like, was "So good!" It was it, it completely catches you off guard. Okay, and I, without spoiling anything, yeah, yeah. completely catches you off guard. But the first minute or two, I was like. And then the weird, the weird speech pattern and yeah. and the high whistly voice. You, high almost whistly voice. you almost can't understand him. Yeah, at some and, points. And the weird spatialness of him, like almost not sane. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to like him. And then about 20 minutes later, I'm like, Oh my god, this is my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's 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 Vincent Vadenofrio. He's so good at every. Yeah, he's one him. of those people who pours into a character and yep. absorbs them. And that's who you identify. Do you, you remember know, him as uh, Edgar in uh, Men in Black? Yeah, mm-hmm. the bug. I mean, that's this performance is actually kind of similar to that in some yeah, ways. You know, yeah. it's almost almost a gibberish kind of speaking, and I, it's just he's so good. Yeah, yeah, I loved his character in this. So something that this movie did better, and this for me is the only thing that this movie did better than Magnificent Seven or Seven Samurai. Maybe you can shed some light on this. You don't get any backstory to the villains in the other two movies. Okay. This movie makes you have a reason to not like the villain in this movie. Mm-hmm. The others are bandits are coming. We got to stop the bandits in both movies. This one, there's a backstory to Peter Sarsgaard's character on why he is attacking this I thought town. he was great, too. He was super good. Oh, I thought he was good. But the other movies, they didn't give you any reason to hate other than the fact that, yes, they're bandits. So bandits are bad. Good guys are good. No, yeah, I definitely felt like, and I haven't seen the others, but I felt like the story was really fleshed out on this, in, in this movie. I felt like yeah. I understood character motivations. I understood who they were. Um, and that goes... Uh, you know, at least for you know, kind of the the main characters, and even those who were more of just kind of, uh, I'll, I'll call them token characters. You know, you've got the token Native American and mm-hmm. the Mexican, and you know, that's kind of what they're known by, or their ethnicities in this group of seven. Yeah. Uh, even they felt more well rounded than they than they really had to be when you've got a group of seven people that you're trying to keep track of. I thought the movie did a pretty good job at you know, kind of letting us know who everyone was and kind of what their role was. Mm-hmm. That was probably, well, we haven't got to 
to gripes yet. No, um, go ahead. That was probably my, I felt like they were doing the musical uh, carousel of of racial inclusion. Uh-huh. Because we've got- Village people sort of thing. Yeah, we've got the white guy, we've got the black guy, we've got the YOLO guy. You know, we've got the Asian, we have the Indian. Hispanic. Yeah, and we have <laughs> I thought Hispanic. it worked, though. You didn't think and, it worked? Well, I I did, but I when we got to the point with the Indian, uh-huh. that was the only part in the movie, um, I, I don't remember his name. Uh, in the movie, he said what his name is. His people outcast him. He was a Comanche. I know that. Yeah, th- but we'll just call him Comanche One. Because um, well, when <laughs> how, they got to we, him, we've got the the world's information yeah, at our fingertips we, here. Why Allow are we me not to look IMDb-ing it, up. <laughs> it? But when they got to him and they met him, I was like, okay, so I'm supposed to believe in that this quest for them hunting down or going after and picking up Denzel's people that he knows of, you know, right? Just bamfs. Um, yeah. Uh, they just happened upon a truly badass Comanche who was disowned by his tribe, was a massive warrior who's a badass, um, who also happens to speak English. Was it Red Harvest? Red Harvest, that's his yeah, name. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, wants to join up with the cause. And I'm like, like there were too many things in that little scene where I was uh, suddenly expected to just believe that, you know what I mean? They happened just, a pan- it was just blind luck mm-hmm. in the midst of this. And, it was just there a was way to squeeze him in there. there. Sure, it yeah, was inconvenience, was... and that bugged me for a little bit. In it, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy him. I did. I thought I'm he was great. Getting him into the plot, you know, I was like, come on. But um, no, I, I think I they do. did that with every single character, though. But the rest of them were people he knew, and he was specifically going after, you know, because of. Well, I do have a question what he knows about, about their history. Chris Pratt's character, who we haven't talked about Pratt yet, so we should probably do Love that. Him. But um, his character. Did he? I don't think the movie told us that he knew. He doesn't know before. In fact, I think he. Is, we are we any... supposed to believe he sees him in the mirror when he, um, you know, kind of helps yes. the yeah, situation? He, do, he and does see him pull he... the gun on the okay, guy right. and help him out. All right. I wasn't totally clear on that. And he's yeah. one of the few we get no history on, too. Yeah. We yeah. know nothing about him. Here's, uh, I'll just throw out a negative. I think that Chris Pratt should stay away from Westerns. Oh, I thought he was oh, great. I thought he was fantastic. Nope. Because. He doesn't understand what the old Western badass persona is supposed to be. He was Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. And when I want Chris Pratt in a movie, I'll go and see a Chris Pratt movie. I wanted to see a Western. <laughs> I totally disagree. I completely disagree. I, think I, he thought, was, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. I think, I, they did, I think he did exactly what they wanted him to do was, was be Chris Pratt. Yeah. They wanted him to be the comedic element. They wanted him to be the guy who can be gritty and badass. But um, is kind of snarky about it, you know? Don't get me wrong, Chris. I love Chris. Oh, he's so good. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to westerns, little I don't. Too, little I don't, too much Star Lord for you. I don't. Yeah, I don't want Star Lord <laughs> in my cowboy movie. I don't want cowboys and aliens. You got your Star Lord oh, in my cowboy Boy, movie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this, is, this is nothing like cowboys and aliens, though. Like, no, such but, a I, terrible I was, movie. I was making a joke about Star Lord yeah. being with aliens and then in a cowboy movie, but um chemistry between everybody i didn't buy a lot of them oh i totally disagree on that too i, I don't thought they had good think, chemistry did I, you think the movie was funny yeah it was a really funny movie okay and i'm okay with a western being funny mm-hmm. don't get me wrong it's just that uh i thought that the uh for in seven samurai magnificent seven a good portion of that movie is them molding as a group and mm. it's not them just getting together like, hey will you help me sure no there's a lot of like push and shove with them deciding to yeah. help this town and i think that they cut that out in part for 
wanting to know the villain more because you can't have a super long vil- sure. movie. Yeah. So they have to decide: are we gonna like the, are we gonna care about the villain more, or are we gonna care about this group getting together? I would have been okay with them saying it's just another group of bandits, and uh, but it's something new. And I respect Anton. So I see exactly what you're saying, Uh, because the original uh, Seven Samurai, a lot of those Japanese uh, samurai movies, they're always they go into it. All of them have that same storyline. The bad guy is just bad because he's the bad guy. Yeah. The focal point is always on the hero and his motivations and his struggles. And they don't the bad guy is just evil. You just know evil exists. And that's how they play things when they do it. And I, I completely understand what you're saying, where. We decided because of our movie going public that was going to be seeing this movie, they're a little more discerning than the period of Seven Samurai in storytelling. So they're going to want to know what the motivations behind Peter Sarsgaard worked. And honestly, you were right. He was fantastic and they did an amazing job of blending, building the story and creating a complete picture. Um, and if he hadn't taken the time to tell you know a little bit about him, I don't think he would have been as scary or well, and it was so crucial to the motivations evil. of our good guys, too. Correct, yeah. So yeah. understanding his story was so, and we'll get more into that, into spoilers. I don't want to belabor the point too long. I will say that I think the humor in this movie is one of its selling points. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of that it's has fun. to do with Chris Pratt. A lot of that has to do with this group and you know how they interact together. I think the chemistry overall between the seven of them is maybe lacking a little bit. That's what I'm but saying. Think, there's there's characters like as like a whole, a two of them. But I was just going to say great together. Like Ethan like, Hawke and, and his and, buddy. I and think yes. together. You understand Who, their relationship. The Chinese guy who's really a Korean actor. You know the yeah, whole thing. Sure. Yeah. So I think I think that stuff is to the movie's benefit overall. Is I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, as far as negatives go, I'll just throw this one out here. Uh, I thought the resolution was a little chaotic and confusing at points. The movie just kind of stops, and it's and also too long. So they set up this beautiful plan. And then I thought the execution of the plan uh, was a, for me, a little bit too amorphous, and not you know there, I didn't find that I was involved uh, mentally in every step. Like I checked out through yeah. a, a few of those parts. So here's a question for you, just super quick. Did you feel like uh, the uh, backdrop footage and stuff, like where they show you know like forest and mountains and stuff, mm-hmm. does that look fake to you? No, it was no, gorgeous. No, Absolutely thought, oh, gorgeous. That was nice. There was one scene when in the we very first beginning seen, in the very end. I'm like, yeah, that at looks the very fake. beginning when Denzel's walking up and you see the mountains in the background. Yeah, and for a split second, I was like, is that a painting? He's walking. I thought, it, I, thought <laughs> but, I thought it was a painting. But yeah. then, as he started to get closer, you could see the crisp detail, like in the mountains and the shadows. I'm like, oh, uh, that's beautiful. And I don't know if it was something he did with the camera and. It was intentionally a stylistic thing that he did, yeah. or what? Almost like a painting coming to life. However, I I thought it was beautiful. All right, let's wrap this up with one more thing. Uh, the one thing you haven't gotten a chance to talk about with the movie that you want to make sure you get in there. Uh, Sean, you want to start us off? Just one more thing to say. Uh, Andrew, if you've got one, I don't you can have go. One. Yeah, you, Andrew. Uh, this is, out of the three movies, the original Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai, this is not the best. Okay, it's the worst. Your least favorite, number least three. Favorite. Yeah, least favorite. Um, which I'm not, I'm not those saying those other two are classics too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. whenever you have the two two of the most iconic films in history, it's kind of hard to live up to that. But I okay, here's one. Here I'll say this: um, Anton Fuqua for doing something that he is not known for doing. He's known for like Training Day, you know, movies like that. For him to try something new, I think he did a good job. I think he did a really yeah, good that's job. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. 
my one last thing would probably be that I appreciated the movie had actual stakes in it. You know, there's so many movies where I just mean the life and death of, you know, the characters, what happens to them, that kind of stuff. I really felt like it was the drama was genuine, the tension of, you know, who's going to live, who's not going to live. I know exactly. And I was 100 percent right. So, but I loved that there were stakes, you know, whether yeah. or not it foreshadowed it or those yeah. kind of things. I'll get, that's into, fine. I'll get into spoilers later on, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that in spoilers, but I did appreciate that. Anything My one last thing, Haley Bennett. Um, she did good. She, well, here's the thing. I didn't know who she was. Yeah, I didn't. I don't either. When I saw her, I'm like, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Who, who is that? And she has such a Jennifer Lawrence look to her. Many times through the movie, I was trying to place who she is. And I'm like, is that? And I'm one of those people, I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes, well, makeup, everyone knows, makeup can do such drastic things for a character, especially women. And a lack can of makeup. look like totally different people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, is that just Jennifer Lawrence with makeup done just right to make her look different? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, the voice is off, but she looks so familiar. And I'm like, who is this? But she, man, was she just, she was great. She, She's the girl from Hardcore Henry. Yeah. Which I did not, I did not yeah. even realize. Yeah, me neither. She's in Marley and Me and uh, Equalizer, which is another Denzel oh, that's, Washington oh, movie. There we go. That, yeah, that's where I've seen her before. I loved her. I loved yeah, her. Yeah, no, she I was thought she did a great, great job. Great emotional. She added some some great uh, visual landscape. Strong, empowered women. At. I always appreciate, especially in westerns, because that's such a machismo, macho male testosterone How thing. was she? She was so good. I yeah, know. she was really good. Um, I just love that you said that she added to the visual landscape. I think that's a wonderful <laughs> way of saying a woman is beautiful. Yeah. Somebody, she, I'm going to use that on my wife. She was you part add of... to the visual landscape of our life. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to our best ever challenge. Okay. This is where we will name the best movie ever in a particular category. Uh, in this case, let's just go with Westerns. We will name our top three best Westerns ever. Not the hotel. Yes. The movies. Just so we're clear. Best <laughs> Western, I will tell you, top is, three not, best ooh, Western. is not I like Cherry the one Hill. In Des Moines. Garden City, Kansas is <laughs> Cherry pretty Hill, nice. New Jersey, that's and this is not a joke. It's not a good Western. best Western. Good to know. That's good not, to know. That's not a joke. Get on Yelp. Yeah. All right. We'll start with number three. Work our way to number one. Uh, if you hear one that's on your list, uh, you can certainly chime in and talk about it. Okay. Andrew, fan of Westerns. Yes. New and old. So what is mine your is the definitive list, in case anybody's curious. So <laughs> That's true. Number three. I, I, I honor you with that. Number three is Tombstone. Nice. Good choice. Number three is Tombstone. For the simple fact that Val Kilmer took that movie to 11 as Doc Holliday, I'll be your Huckleberry, <laughs> is one of the greatest lines of all time. And now the fact Johnny. that he was not nominated for a single award for that was Made me like cry. it yeah. was yeah that's a crime shame. spectacular filmmaking. Uh, it is my number two. So that's your number two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely, Sean. Oh, uh, do you want to talk a little bit more on it since it is on your list? Then uh, I just I just love too. it. I and I always remember the the back and forth that went between Tombstone and uh, what was the other one that came out around the same time? Unforgiven. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it was same story. Uh, Doc Holliday and uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. That um, was actually Russell Crowe or yeah Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, he, who was in Tombstone as well. Yeah. So. So, anyways, but yeah, I just, I just think it's spectacular. Lots of great lines, lots of great moments, good stuff. My number three is Tombstone. Well, there you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's, and it, and that's a hard sell because it, that's a one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. It's just, it's so, so good. It blends, 
humor. It blends action and it blends suspense. It's just an incredibly well done movie, Western or not. But uh, yeah, it's my number three. All right. On to number two. Right, Let's go to you, the... Did you say your number three? Oh, no, I didn't. I should, no. do, I should do my number three. Yeah. Um, I talked about Tombstone. That's right for my number two. My number three is Back to the Future 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. we, we know that Aaron just, doesn't really have I'm that long kidding. of a catalog. I'm, fly. I'm just kidding. Is it because um, we were watching Back to the Future yes. 3 before the movie yeah, yesterday? Yeah, we saw it yesterday. That's uh, right. However, what you may not know about Back to the Future 3 is it's it not is, good. It is uh, partially based on my number three. Yeah. Which is High Noon, uh, which mm. is Gary Cooper and Cooper. Uh, Grace Kelly. Uh, incredible cast. Beautiful Western. Uh, one of my faves. Nice. So number two is going around. Uh, oh, I guess it's me. You first. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, Sergio Leone's incredible story, or story that stars Charles Bronson, one of the manliest men of all time, as the harmonica player. And I think that he does a super good job of... Your, his whenever he was doing westerns, is he knew how to make a mysterious protagonist. Yeah, where they had no like how he did uh, the Man with No Name trilogy with Clint Eastwood. He knew how to make you know the true cowboy spaghetti western, and spaghetti westerns are the best westerns. I'll just say that right now. Um, he knew how to make the best westerns. Man, he's so good. I thought there for a second you were talking about Seth MacFarlane's A Million Ways no, to Die in no, the West. No, 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 like, no. Once Upon what? a Time Make in the West. Make fun of me for Back to the Future 3, why don't you? No, 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 no. Once That's Upon great. a Time in the West. No, no, no. The no yeah, absolutely. Player. Absolutely. Sean. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. That's my number two. Is that the one that originated the... <laughs> yeah. Where uh, he actually... Uh, I guess I'll say uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is my number one, and it is the greatest movie of all time. That's your favorite movie ever. Greatest movie of all time. So go on a rant. Tell us why. Like, what makes it so amazing? So, I didn't mean to steal. No, no, no. So, um, it's the perfect um, film where there is no protagonist. There's no good guy. Clint Eastwood is technically the good in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but if you look at every single one of those guys, none of them are good. So, for those of you who don't know what The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is about, it's these three men who are each given a clue as to where a grave is somewhere in the West that has $200,000 in gold buried in it. And it's during the Civil War, and each of them has the clue, and they want to kill each other to get this gold, mm-hmm. but they can't kill each other because if, if any of them die, then they'll never find the gold. So it's when they finally get there at the very end, the greatest standoff showdown in history, and it's and it's directed by Sergio Leone, who also did uh, the other spaghetti western I mentioned, which was Once Upon a Time in the West. So you have Clint Eastwood, Lee Van Cleef, and Eli Wallach as the good, the bad, and the ugly. And man, Lee Van Cleef was an amazing yeah. villain, always so good, and. Uh, for those, if you were curious what a spaghetti western is, is back in the '60s, it was cheaper to hire Italian actors to play Hispanic actors than to actually get Mexican right. actors. So that's why it's called "quote unquote" spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not just a uh, western; it's a civil war film. You see the brutality of what that war was like, and uh, every single performance in the movie is glorious. Anything to add, Sean? Since it was your number two. 
It's it's all the things that you've said are the reasons I love it. Um, the casting is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The way the movie is written and the way these characters play off of each other but yet need each other um, yeah. it is incredibly well done. It's a super tense movie. It really is. It's just – it's fantastic. And it it started so many things going. Like mm-hmm. I, I – that – Whistle Man mm-hmm. yeah. has been used in countless movies. Oh yeah, it's iconic. Shinyo Medicone. Yeah, it's he, just it's so well done. Compose that. So, uh, fun fact <clears throat> about that: the uh, it's actually uh, the sound. If you as soon as the movie starts, there's a coyote howling in the background, and it's howling. So that's what the uh, song is based off of. It's oh, that coyote howling. Interesting. So. Fun fact that okay. I did not know. Uh, Very cool. Number two is going around, so you yeah, because my number yours. two was Tombstone. So, Tombstone. so we are talked about that a little bit. So I think we're on to number one. Okay. Um, Wait, did I give my number? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, good, okay. bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Okay. So yep, I'm done. So it's you guys now. <laughs> That's right. And we can give honorable mentions afterwards. So number one's going around. Yeah, Sean, what do you got? Unforgiven. Yeah, I so wonder if somebody one. would mention that Unforgiven. Was my, that was my honorable mention, or one of them. It's my number one. It's incredibly well done. I. Forget the fact that it's got Clint Eastwood in it, and he is no, just don't do that. magic uh, <laughs> in any Western. Um, everything about that movie is incredibly well done. The writing is well done. The acting, the sets are amazing. That movie is fantastic piece of filmmaking. Um, and, I think Gene Hackman gives one of the greatest performances of all time in that movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, he's great. And it's proof that Clint Eastwood is so much more than just a good actor. He is amazing at reading what needs to be said and telling it in a way that will just suck people in. I, yeah. I'm forgetting it. It's a fantastic piece of filmmaking. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number one is, is going to shock you. Oh boy. You, you are going to, this is going to come as a complete spur. I could give you, I could probably give you 10 guesses each and you wouldn't get to my <laughs> number like, one. What? Okay. It is 310 to Yuma. Dang it! That was my honorable mention. Are <laughs> you talking? It? Are you talking it's the a great uh, movie? The uh, Russell Crowe I'm Christian t- yeah, Bale, yeah, not yes. the original one. Okay, yeah, yep. uh, the new. I, I, the train that was, that scene was, alone that was my in that four, movie. That was number four on my. Or it was. I, it was the year that or Tombstone. So. Oh, nice. See, I think it's underrated. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. You know, when they talk about classic westerns and stuff. But I just remember that movie owned me. Like it's, it just held me the entire yeah, time. It it's the greatest and modern western. It's it's just that so. the train scene. You know, getting him to the train and just the oh, it was just tense and i just it's one of it's one of those movie experiences that i just you know will always hold on to and remember so totally really, agree really like 310 uh, quick honorable mentions pretty much the entire uh man with no name so good the bad and the ugly is the final film in that so you also have fistful of dollars and a few dollars more another really sure. good one that a lot of people do not know about is a ma- movie called the man from laramere super okay. good movie can't recommend it's all black and white Western. Very nice. Do you have any others that we didn't mention that you want to throw out there? Gun I think smoke. It, I think the assassination of uh, Jesse, Jesse James, James by, by Coward, Coward Robert Ford, Ford. I think yeah was really good. Yeah, I, I did, that was and good. I had no idea what to expect going into it, and I love loved that it. movie. Yep, that would be the only one that that uh, that I can think to mention. Any others before we close up shop on uh, on our own best westerns? I'm glad people didn't mention like modern westerns or. Really well, we mentioned the lim- some modern ones. Well, we mentioned uh, Unforgiven. So and- what I mean by modern Western is movies that take place in the West, but they're not Westerns. Like neo- No Country for Old ne- Men. No, neo-Westerns, yeah. yeah neo- Have or, a Western or, theme, but they're not actually sure. cowboy Or movies. There Will Be Blood. You yeah. know, that's not a Western. And There Will Be Blood is a great movie. But no, that's I wouldn't call that a Western. See, yeah, but I'm, some people would for the fact that they don't know 
a lot they of figure if it takes place in the apt. 1800s it's a well western. see that's yeah. what i was i was gonna say i'd be it's more a period film i would be more apt to call there would there will be blood a western western than i would no country for old men yeah. because by, of yeah, the time far. period yeah yeah but, but I don't it's think a period either, piece it's not a yeah. western yeah i don't think that's a western so yeah western's greatest genre of all time well thank you thank you for the definitive list yes. of the best westerns also i could go on forever uh, where was westerns. where was the other where was the best western we should avoid where was it just to to be clear uh in cherry hill new jersey all right cherry hill new jersey stay away from the best western there Get and the know. best one in the country is in garden city kansas oh there, there we go. go we've got so. we've got the good and the bad where's the ugly where's yes. the ugly oh. best western hmm. oh Pro- it's probably ugly best western daytona florida <laughs> <laughs> not kidding not kidding yuck we literally just went over the good the bad and the ugly of yes. best westerns that's great that's a that's a way to do it on to buried treasure what's the one thing in the world of pop culture that you guys want make sure that people know about sean you want to go first i am ecstatic that i am less than a month away from the launch of my playstation vr i have been waiting for this device um <laughs> uh for the longest time because it to me is a it's a pivotal point in virtual reality technology for the masses. Um, I know that uh, obviously Oculus Rift have been out for a while, and so does the HTC Vive, but they're uh, they are products that break the mold um, because they're not accessible to the public. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're things that people not only have to have an eighteen hundred dollar plus PC to pop properly power, which everybody in but, this room does. Yeah, <laughs> but then you have to have on top of that. You know, another seven, eight, nine hundred dollars in in VR hardware on top of that. Yeah. So it's it, the price point sets them far out of your general consumer's ability to to relate. There are forty plus million PlayStation Four owners out there, and they are bringing a VR product to the market for these people too. And and it's top end. Okay. So while it, I'm not going to get into the specs side of it and say it's you know Oculus Rift quality, it is still the high end. You know echelon of of vr and i'm very excited that this is finally going to hit the market it's october 13th uh i've been eagerly waiting with sweaty palms since the first time i clicked the pre-order button um so i'm very very excited about it because of what it's going to mean for for mainstream society's exposure and immersion into this new technology have you seen i think it's imax is designing vr theaters yeah imax is opening six get this imax is opening six vr um, equipped theaters in the next four months. Yeah, yeah, just and like, wow. they're, immediately. They're using the new technology, um, the Starlight VR uh, headset from Acer. So, uh, or Star VR Labs, uh, they built their own headset. But it's headset. like wider, right? Like it's a uh, yeah. bigger field of so view. So a much and... wider field of view, um, and it's so an entirely new So what's the point of uh, an IMAX theater if everybody's going to have a VR on them? Well, the idea is they're going to test this out. They've got an entirely new concept that they're not ready to tell anyone about, about the way that they do the, the movies, um, but they're going to be VR so presentations. So it's VR, not AR. Huh? It's VR, not AR. Oh, it's full VR. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, AR think about here. think about this though. Think of the amazing um, audio that they have in those theaters, and think about being well, able I'm to give audio about, cues like, yeah. the, the, for people to look at. The draw of IMAX is the screen. Well, the screen is going to be, be your here's virtual the deal, reality, though. Now you've seen, but you've seen the VR. I mean, sorry, you've seen an IMAX film, right? In a, in a true IMAX, not the mini IMAX. Right. You know what true, I'm talking about? true IMAX. So, IMAX. This yeah. this is even larger than that. 
because of the way the screen, it it's how your eyes perceive distance right. and size. So because of the way the screen is displayed and its total field of view, this is even larger of an experience than IMAX, which is why IMAX is getting into this. They're going to try this out, see how well it works for people as far as the immersion is concerned, um, and then start rolling it out more if it goes well. Think of a concept like this, and I don't know what they're doing, but think of a concept like this where you're actually watching a film on your VR IMAX screen in front of you, and the actual virtual reality is a theater, just like the one you're sitting in, but then they can play with what happens in the theater as well as what happens on the screen. So, so there is no like major uh, screen in front of you. It's just right, seats. Right, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you're watching a movie, just like yeah. you would be at an IMAX theater, but all of a sudden a character comes in from the actual lobby of the theater. That's AR. And it's no, 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 you're no. misunderstanding, you're misunderstanding. Uh, so, totally, then. So it is virtual reality of the theater. So your environment oh, have you ever, okay, so is the like, theater. So your VR is like you see the have, people sitting next to yes, you. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Have you played with VR yet, Andrew? Honestly, that one time I, I put your phone on my face. Yeah. Literally the only time I've ever done it. Okay, so one of the that greatest one time VR I put your apps, phone on my face. Yeah, on my face. That's great. great yeah. One of the greatest VR apps uh, is actually the Netflix app. And that's so, so retarded because it's you'd think uh, this immersive game or mm-hmm. something like that would be. But in the Netflix app, you get to put the headset on and you're in this virtual living room. This is amazing. And you can actually switch it up. But you, this amazing house that is so much better than yours. <laughs> that we would never own. Right. And you're sitting in this environment and you're watching on Netflix on a screen and you think, why would I want to watch Netflix on a screen in front of my face when I can watch it on the actual big screen? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so freaking cool. And I'm not the only one, like everyone who's tried this has said, Oh my God, I want to watch it like this all the time. So yes, just like Aaron was saying, you can actually look to the theater and the, see the seats next to you. People. So imagine the immersion of being able to see people come in. Okay. In an environment you're familiar with, cause you just walked into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Created in a virtual environment and seeing people come in and enjoying you. It's, it's, it's a depth that your mind starts to create this magical experience. Like what's going on here, you know? Well, and it's like those, it's like those theme park, you know, 4d experiences where they've got stuff in front of the screen too. Yeah. 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 (laughs) vision. That kind of stuff. No, that's absolutely would be interesting to me. What do you got for your buried treasure? Do you guys like foreign language films? It depends on which ones, but in general, yes, I don't mind at all. Did you like the movie world war Z? Yes. Oh, I loved it. How would you feel about a foreign language World War Z film? I don't know. There is a new movie out this year. It's called The Train to Busan. It is a South Korean film, which I just really want to say, South Korea makes really good movies. Uh, who is it that made, like, was the host and... Uh, that's South Korea. Yeah, that's, that guy. So, Byung-Hung Lee, who yeah, was that's just the guy. in... No, no, he's the guy that was in Magnificent Seven that we just watched. Oh, okay. Love he's, him. He's in a movie called... Uh, uh, I saw the devil, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is also the goriest movie I've ever seen in my life. But uh, he, uh, he's a South Korean actor, so he I know that South Korea makes really good movies. So the Train to Busan is a zombie movie, and it's the hive minded flood running zombies. You know they like trample over each other. You know that terrifying that we originally saw in World War Z, except it's on a train. It's really interesting mm. because it's not your typical zombie movie. Um, I know you, Aaron, and I were big Whovians. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sean, are you a big Doctor Who guy? I love the Who. So, do you remember the David Tennant episode Midnight? 
where they were stuck on that planet where they were on this tour bus and then uh, it breaks down like and then the monster gets inside the tram with them like oh are you infected with the monster and it was like the uh the mentality of human beings like really being the villains in this yeah it's my favorite episode of doctor whoever it's my second favorite doctor Who. yeah after uh blink don't blink yeah blink is my second <laughs> so we got them mixed over. So um, that is a major element in the train to Busan where people are like, how do I know you're not infected with the zombie virus? So, so it's not obvious. It's not. No, it's obvious like who, but like people are like, how do I know you haven't been bitten? So people are like, oh, I uh, see what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. the, uh, the what, mass hysteria that really takes over. That's just as deadly a force in this movie as the zombies themselves. Hmm. So you have people confining themselves to certain compartments in the train and not letting other people through, even though they're in imminent danger. That's kind of been what they've said. The the whole heart of The Walking Dead has been forever is it's really not the zombies that are the danger. It's the humans. You know, the and idea. that is a huge element. And the acting in this is super good. Um, it it per- cool. it mainly follows a man trying to get his little girl to see uh, his mom. They've separated, and while they're on the train, the outbreak it happens. Interesting. Really uh, good movie. Bong, really good movie. Bong Joon Ho, I think was Bong who Joon-ho, I was. Ho, is yeah. the director I was thinking of who did, did Host uh, and uh, Snowpiercer. He did Snowpiercer, and I think which is another did, train movie. It's another train movie, and I think that he also did a movie called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Nice. Which is the Korean version of The Good, The Bad, Bad and The Ugly. It all comes full circle. Which, I don't know if you guys have seen The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Super good movie. I have not. <laughs> Super good. It's a it's a uh, Korean Western. Nice. It is an actual Korean Western. Uh, my buried treasure is uh, speedruns. I've been burying myself in video game speedruns. Really? Oh, like yeah. watching them or trying yeah, to attempt watching them? them. Mm. Uh, my brother actually uh, competitively does speedruns. In um, what? Uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, he's done some, really? and then there's yeah. another game that that he's done. So he's a puzzle platformer. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but uh, but I've just I've just picked up watching them again recently. Uh, I was watching with my boys this morning, uh, Super Mario Galaxy speedrun. Mario's just are like the some iconic of my favorites. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I'd highly recommend just a, just a YouTube day. You know, just sit on YouTube and search yes. speedruns for some of your favorite video games, if and you just like watching speed the runs, insanity. You get on Twitch and watch those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. The kid who just broke the Mario record, um, uh, his live stream of him doing that, which I I want to go on record as saying BS to his speedrun because while they call it that <laughs> and they gave him a world record for it, his actually isn't a speedrun; it's a glitch. So he beats the game in like uh, less than a minute. Well, so, there's there's two versions. You can you can do authentic non, speed yeah, runs. Yeah, you can do non. Then, what's yeah. it called? Non tech assisted yeah. or something like that. Well, and that's the thing is is the whole point NTA of a speed, speed run runs, is yeah. is to go through and you know beat it in the fastest time possible, making use of every resource that you have available to you within the game. But this is actually one where he actually tricks the game into overloading itself by the way he does the right, yeah, yeah, yeah. commands, and it actually uses a piece of equipment where the computer taps the yep, buttons. Yep. And I'm like, that's not a speed run. That is that is <laughs> well, just a really cool people, glitch. I, but to some people, that's a category of speed runs that you know they would allow to be ex, you know accepted. The kind of speed run you're referring to, taking such pleasure and joy in watching, exactly. Is that's not that. the kind of speed run. Yeah, I exactly. Enjoy. That yes. that is not enjoyable to watch. There's that's a just game, a, a gimmick. There's a game that you might enjoy watching with your kids that has speed run element to it. Dark Souls. Do you ever watch the Dark Souls speedruns? I have. Have you seen the one where the guy does never get hit? He yes. never gets hit? Never gets hit. Blow. 
I I encourage everyone out there if you don't have a console that can you can play or a PC that you can play Dark Souls on, please find a friend who does play ten minutes of this game. They are, they, and when you're done hating your life, then go watch this speed run. Oh, they, so you can be even where, more no, mad. They are, they are critically known as the hardest games in the I've world. I've seen those. Yeah, that's insane. It's, it's impossible. The game is absolutely impossible. I've never had a game you have maybe to be want like to throw a controller. Perfect. But you know what? Yeah. I am proud to say I have beat every single Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Wow. So I'm proud to well, say you know, they are one of my favorite games. You gotta have goals time. in life, you know? You Amen. gotta have things that you're willing there's, to pursue. There's a yeah, he was talking about the guy who does Dark Souls without getting hit. There's two ways to do it. You can beat the game with only like fighting three bosses. I like watching where the guy heads to every single boss to fight them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 not glitchy, but it is like a shorter way to do it for speedruns. It's just fun. You'd be surprised at what how fun some of the lamest games are to watch their speed run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just it's just super original fun. Mario. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I wouldn't call original Mario a lame game necessarily, but no, but I'm saying fun to watch. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it's just it's just really interesting. It's a really interesting community. They do they do really good work too with charity. You know, they do a lot of charity events mm-hmm. uh, through speed runs and that kind of stuff. So just something I wanted to throw out there. All right, guys, we did it. Woo! Woo! Was that was that from the west? Yeah, that was from the western. That's what I thought that was. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for Sif Pop today. It is part of the Shoe the Dough Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at mixler.com slash shoe the dough. Mixler, by the way, is spelled M-I-X-L-R.com slash shoe the dough. Huge thanks to today's guru. It's Sean from Geek Point uh, what do you got to plug, man? I just realized that I just wooed for myself. Uh, <laughs> you're that you awesome. You should. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah. We all know how to woo ourselves. That's great. What do you got? Um, yeah, guys, uh, come check us out. So Geek.0, we, uh, we had an interesting week a couple weeks ago, and uh, we are kind of changing up the format and the way we do things, um, and uh, we are going to be doing some really cool, fun stuff, um, and a lot of, uh, we're going to start doing some Let's Plays, we're going to contact <gasps> uh, a friend of ours that does amazing content, uh, just this this guy I know uh, named Andrew Ormsby over at Flick Freaks. Oh, I've heard of Flick Freaks. And Good we're going to start, over there. Yeah, here's, amazing here's stuff. A tool. Yeah, and we're... <laughs> Yeah. Total the tool. guy is a tool, but man, does he make good stuff. Yeah, right. Compelling <laughs> media. Um, but we're going to be partnering and doing a few things with him that we're very excited about. And uh, this is our first chance to, to tell him about that. So very excited. Um, <laughs> don't let the word out, you know, before I get sure, a chance sure. to talk to Absolutely. him. So, right. uh, but no, Keep we it are, on the DL. You don't want him jumping ship. <laughs> so we are geek and pop culture, uh, media, um, video games, uh, television, music, um, more video games, television, and movies uh, than anything. Uh, and tech, of course. Um, but you can find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, all of those, just forward slash geek point, P-O-I-N-T zero, geek point O. Um, uh, we're going to be doing some really cool stuff coming up, uh, doing some product testing. And uh, we will be giving away another game this next coming month. Uh, so make sure you follow us on Facebook so you can manage to get your hands on free goodies. Have well, you leaked what the game will be yet? We have not. And there's a reason for that. Uh, we put a poll out there, and it's the first time we put a poll out that we had like five responses to. And we haven't been able to figure out why. So we're going to redo the poll. We're going to put it out again and see if we can get people to actually participate and say, what would you like us to give you for free? Sure. So, and I'm sure Aaron and I would be more than happy to retweet that poll for you. Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah. yeah. So. Well, I appreciate you being here. Love talking pop culture. With we you. love your show. You're so one of our favorite. Love people. your show. Thanks for showing up and oh, being a guru for us. 
Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters as well for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support starts at a buck a month. It comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more information at patreon.com slash shoe the dough. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, make sure and let us know. All feedback is welcome at shoe the dough at gmail.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.